0: So it was one of those mornings, and I don't know why we were arguing, but I was certain that my wife was wrong. And so we were going back and forth, and I was like, you know what, and I I made one of those definite statements at the end of an argument that you can only regret deeply after you make the statement, but makes perfect sense before you make the statement. Something like, you know what, I'm not going to ask you for anything then. Something like that, those definite statements. With the shrug of the hand, the turn of my waist, I walked out and started to get dressed. Uh, It was was the morning, so I was going to get dressed. Then a few minutes later, I realized I couldn't find that shirt I wanted. Just three minutes before, I told her. I made the oath. I said, I won't ask you for anything ever. But it was five minutes, and five minutes later, I mean, ever is a really long time, and I knew that five minutes wasn't enough. So I had to change the outfit. You know what, though? I think we all do that every now and again. Yeah. 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 I think we all take the people that we need the most and act like we don't need them at all. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe taking um, taking your wife for granted. Maybe, maybe your son. Maybe your husband. I mean, you know, maybe maybe it's at work and you know those people over there and they're annoying and all that other stuff, but you know, you're all working together, and you all, but you just go, no, nah, I don't need them. Who needs them? Whatever. Or maybe it was a friendship that was a long friendship, and you decided, you know what? That's it. I don't need you. Forget you. We lose something when we decide to discard people that we need. We lose something precious, when we decide to do that with those we love. But you know when we lose that the most, when we lose out the most, is when we do that with the church. When we decide that our walk in Christ is going to be a solitary walk, our walk in Christ is not going to be a team going in the same direction, but a lone runner doing the best he can with the strength that he's been given. I think that we do that in powerful ways when we decide that we're not going to be a part of the local church, but we'll just go to church. As if the church was an address that you could find on Google Maps. Today, we're going to be talking about the beauty and the wonder of the church. And I want you to know, right off the bat, you're her. You are the church, and that we need each other, and that without you, I lose, and without me, you lose. We lose when we don't have each other. So we've been going. If you're here for the first time, I'm so grateful that you're here. If you're here for the first time, and I know there's a few of you around, if you're here for the first time, you're going to get to hear what church is really about. And what's awesome about that is that you might not have ever heard this. You might think in your mind, I know church is a place to attend, to listen to a talk, to sing a song, to have a cookie, to go home. That's it. And that's your whole experience with church. Some of you, some of you, when I say church, you go, oh, my gosh, your defenses are up. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, don't talk to me about church. I'm here because the pretty girl in the office invited me, and I thought it would get me some points. Or I'm here because, you know, because they said they promised me lunch afterwards and I'm going to order big after this sermon, right? And I, I get it, right? So you're here for, we're all here for different reasons. I get that. Like we're all, right, we all come for different reasons and we all, but you might be here for the first time and hear about what God's vision for the church is. And what you'll discover, what you'll discover is that the recovery house of worship is a pale, pale, and flawed version of God's dream of a church but he has high hopes for us and i think that we can be better even than we are now now we've been in this series if you're coming new we've been in a series called we came to believe and it's basically a study through the apostles creed which is an ancient document that helps us to uh, know our faith. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a great document to help us to understand and know our faith. And uh, so we've gone through quite a few weeks of this. You don't. don't good news is that this is not like a uh, this is not like a uh, an episode of uh, Breaking Bad where you have to know what happened in the episode before in order to understand what's happening in the episode now, right? Good news is if you come for the first time, you're going to be fully on board with everyone else. And the part of the Apostles' Creed that we're going to look at is, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of the saints. Now, I have wanted to talk about that ever since we started this series, because I knew some of us would be like, hey, I didn't know we were Catholic. And then some of us would be like, I knew it. It's good. I told you. Where are the saints, Right. They're, in, they're behind those doors. We keep, no, no, we don't. I'm kidding. Um, but so what does it mean? What does the, what does that text mean? I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and in the communion of the saints. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to explain that phrase in five minutes or less. Everybody look at your watch. Five minutes or less. You got it? I'm going to explain all the mysteries behind that sentence in five minutes or less, and then watch this. And then we're going to find out what God thinks about when he thinks about the church. Is that fair? This is going to be right? Okay. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of the saints. It, the Apostles' Creed is also in your um, bulletin, so if you want to follow along, that's fine. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. So I believe. All right, so then that's easy enough, right? This is something that I have trust in, confidence in. I put my faith in. I believe in the holy. Now, let's look at that word holy. Holy means to be set apart. So I believe in the holy. Holy means to be set apart. That's why God can, with a straight face, say in the scriptures, be holy as I am holy. God is not saying be perfect like I'm perfect. Good night, right? You can't, I mean, my goodness, we don't even meet up to our own standards. Certainly, you know, we can't meet the perfection of God. That's why we need Jesus. But God says, be set apart. Be other than. Don't be, listen, if you fit so well in every ungodly environment, then, I mean, if, if there's no, like, all right, so here's the deal. if If you went to work, yeah, I went to church. I love Jesus. They'd be like, what? Then you know you're not living set apart. You're not living holy. You're living like everybody else. If you go to school or you hang out with your friends and, they, and you go, oh, yeah, man, this week we were talking about the Apostles' Creed at church. It was great. And if they, they go like this, you go to church? Then you know you're not living holy. You're not living set apart apart. You should look different. You should talk different. You should be different. We're holy, but I only have five minutes, so holy, Catholic. This is a good one, right? Now, here's the thing. Language changes. So let me use an unbelievably offensive word. It's a curse word. It really is. No, it really is. Hold your breath, okay? No, I just changed the word in my mind. I realized it was too risque, Okay? Let's try another one. Let's try another one. It was too risque. I edited. I self-edited. You should see me in here. It's crazy. So it, let's go with, if, it was in, if it's 1945, and I went to my dad, and, said, and he said, hey, Ed, how'd you feel? I said, I feel gay. He would have said, that's wonderful. What's going on? What gay meant was happy. Now, gay means something other than happy. Not making a judgment call, just saying words change. Does that make sense? Words change? Don't get distracted by the illustration. Words change, right? If, yeah. So, Catholic is a word that simply means, in its most basic form, universal. Universal. That means those who have gone on before us and the saints that are still alive today. Oh, I haven't talked to you about saints, so that won't make sense. All right, so, so, and the believers that still live today. Now, that's important, because when we say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, what we mean is that we don't, we're not saying we believe in the recovery house of worship. We're not saying that we believe in the Roman Catholic Church or the Greek Orthodox Church or the, no, 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 that's not what it says. We believe in the Holy Catholic Church. We believe in the, 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 the group of believers, both gone to be with Christ and alive today, who are set apart. Now, we could change the world, word and use universal church, but then that's a cult. And so now we're stuck again. See, no matter what word we use to try to describe it, we're going to get stuck. So might as well understand our, our terms so that we can Confess this with a clear conscience. So, we are not Roman Catholic. We are Holy Catholic. We are universal. Everyone who believes in Christ falls under this category. I believe in the Holy, what? Set apart, Catholic, universal church. That is the body of believers that belong to Christ. Not address. Not address. Not, you know, we don't go to church. Somebody say, I don't go to church. church. No, we are the church. We are the church. We don't go, we are. Okay. I believe in the holy Catholic church, that body of believers who belong to Christ, and the communion, that means intimacy, connection, deep involvement. Now, this is where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about the communion of the saints because it's not about checking in on Sunday and, and, and listening to a sermon. It's about something so much, beautiful, so much more beautiful than that. The communion of the saints. Now, when we say saints, immediately we think of people who have died, who have, if you come from the Catholic background, do you know what the, um, the um, qualifications are to um, become a saint? There, let me tell you something they are high by anybody's standards. It's like, not only do you have to perform miracles when you're alive, you have to perform, no kidding, you have to perform three miracles after you die. I'm like, wow, that's a high bar, right? Like, you know, I might produce a miracle or two before I die. Not sure how good I'll do after I'm dead, right? Yeah, but that's what you gotta do, right? That's what you gotta do. So, but that's not at all, never, not one time, ever, does the Bible ever use the word saint and mean dead person? Ever. Not one time. The Bible uses the word saint to talk about people who are alive, who are in the church. It's just, matter of fact, when it just simply speaks about believers. That's all saints are. So, when Paul says, to the saints at, let's say, Ephesus or Corinth, to the saints at, he's talking about, not dead. he's not writing a letter to dead people. He's writing people in this region to the saints in this region, right? So we're not talking about dead people. So next time you uh, go before a mirror, you can just go, you're a saint. (laughs) You, that's right. People should know that. You should go around work telling people, you know, I don't know if you know this. I found out this week. I'm a saint. (laughs) Got a ring. Want to kiss it? Pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Not quite like that. Okay. Now, we're being funny and we're being goofy and all that other stuff, but if we get this wrong, we lose the power of what we're trying to learn here. What we're trying to learn is that we believe, we do, notice it does not say, I believe in doing Christian, uh, I, I believe in being a Christian all by yourself. Notice it doesn't say, I don't need to go to any place to uh, profess that I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. It says that we are dependent on one another, that we love one another, that in Christ we find a new identity, a new way of being with one another. I believe in the holy set apart, Catholic, universal, church, the body of believers that belong to Christ, and the communion, intimacy of the saints, the believers. Make sense? in order to understand this deeply, because we're not trying to pick apart the Apostles' Creed, we're trying to understand God's word, we're going to go to a passage, a very confusing but powerful passage in the book of Hebrews. Somebody say Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Now, here's the deal. Remember what we said about in the beginning? Remember what we said? That we, there's, a, there's a way that we cut people off from our lives and don't understand till later on that we desperately need them? Your faith depends on everyone around you. Your faith depends. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the people to the right and to the left of you, to the front and to the back of you, the people who you don't see, who are not in this room, those people, those saints, the believers, have the power to strengthen your faith or weaken your faith. You have the power. You have the, matter of fact, tell the person next to you, you have the power. You have the power. No, you do. You have the power. You have the power. Now, now watch this. I don't know if you knew it, but half the, half the time someone was telling you, you have the power to encourage me. You have the power to discourage me. You have the power to build up my faith. You have the power to start tearing down my faith. You have the power. And that's why Recovery House of Worship is such an incredible place because at the Recovery House of Worship, we have a reputation for being people to desire to build up your faith. Not saying that we do it perfect. We do it perfectly. Good night, no. And if we did it perfectly, we'd have to ask you to leave because you're not perfect. Right? It's true. None of us are perfect. We all need each other. And so your faith, so why, why is what we're going to read so important? Let me tell you why it's going to, it's so important. Because your faith depends on it. What we're going to learn today, your faith depends on it. Secondly, you need to know that if you struggle, especially for those who struggle with loneliness and depression, this is an important thing. Because listen to me, you're going to need to, you're going to need to get this message if you're going to go through your Christian walk in Christ in a way that's joy-filled and exuberant, and filled with purpose? If you don't, if you don't get this message, you will have lo- your faith will have lost out. Some of you will walk away from Christ. Some of you will not have the joy that you could have had if you just understood what we're trying to say here. So a lot rides on this. Your faith is on the line. So listen up. Now, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Again, half of it really super complex, the other half pretty straightforward, but one of the traditions that we have here is that we stand at the reading of God's word because we are reverent. We want to let God know we're like at attention when his word is going forth. So would you read this with me in a nice, loud voice? One, two, three. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have great priests over the house of God, let us draw near heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for we promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another to- and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So let's go to the, okay, so this is going to be, uh, this, this sermon is going to be a little bit like a Quentin Tarantino movie, Right. We're going to do the end first, and then we're going to go to the beginning, okay? All right, so let's look at um, verse uh, 24. And I want you to see these powerful things that we're encouraged to do. And then we're going to look at how we get the power to do that, which is at the beginning of the verse. And it says in verse 24, And let us consider... How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So let's look at that. Okay, this is really, really powerful stuff. I'm going to try to do it quickly because it's, it's, oh my goodness, so much here. So it goes, let us Consider. So after he tells them all that he just told them about Jesus, Jesus has died so that you could be guilt free and shame liberated. Think about that. Think about that. Some of the things that you and I have done have been so bad that society has had to put us away for a period of time. And you can walk around guilt free and shame liberated because. Jesus' blood has washed you. Jesus has taken the penalty. Jesus has taken the shame. Jesus has taken it upon himself. You did the crime, Jesus does the time. Jesus is the one. So since all of that, and we're, I'm, I'm getting back to the beginning of the text, so let me just jump back. Because of all the stuff that he just said to you is so good and true and pure and good, he says, this is how your response is. This is what your outward reflection should be. This is how your behavior should be. This is how you should proceed in the community of believers. Now I want you to notice in verse 22, 23, and 24, he says three times, he says, See in verse 22? Let us. Somebody say, let us. Let us. 23. Let us. Some, let us. 24. Let us. Let us. let us. let us. Those who are together in Christ. Those who love Jesus, you are never meant to be a Lone Ranger Christian. You are never meant to be a follower of Christ on your own. You are always meant to be a person who walks side by side saying, I need you, I need you, I need you, and back and forth, I need you, I need you, I need you. Matter of fact, I, I, I tried to get this down in one sentence. You know how usually I give you an idea, like the big idea? I couldn't, I got it down to three sentences. I just couldn't do it any less than that. But here's what I need you to know. I need you, and you need me. Right. That's the truth. I need you, and you need me. And don't you doubt that for a second. You know the person that you're sitting on this side of the room because that person is on that side of the room? You know that person? You know that the reason that you're sitting on this side of the room because those people <laughs> sit somewhere around here? Right. You know that? Right. You need them. You need them more than you could possibly imagine. You need them like a drowning child needs a lifeguard. You need them like, listen, listen, like Kathleen needed Regis in the 90s. You need them, let me tell you something, like schools need teachers. You need them, listen, like jelly needs peanut butter. You need them because without them, you die. Without them, your faith shrivels. You know the people who are in your church who get your goat, and and, and you know you can't, you know. Oh gosh, I got to keep this conversation short because you know. Da, 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 da. I get it. I get it. Listen, listen to me. You die without them. Even let's look at those people, those people who annoy you the most in our community, the people that you're willing to leave this community because they annoy you so much. Those people, God is doing a work in your heart and in your life, and He's using those people, they are ambassadors to do God's work of patience, of growing your love, of, of having you be considerate, of having you be other-centered, of having you be selfless. God is using them as an ambassador to work on your soul because he knows that you need And if everybody was around you that you liked, you would always grow self-centered and broken. You, listen, I need you. And you need me. Let's say it this way. Um, Everyone who needs Jesus needs everyone who needs Jesus. There is not a person here that you don't need for your faith to grow, that you don't need so that you could love and serve. Everyone who needs Jesus needs everyone who needs Jesus or we can say it another way, we don't go to church, we are the church. It's, it's, we're, listen, it's not an institution. It's not a place or an address. It's a community, it's a relationship. It's a group of people who desperately need each other. So I don't care how which phrase you take to remember that we need each other, that we are the church, that God has a vision for us, not to be people who gather together to listen to a sermon, but people who come together to do life with one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another, to give our lives to each other so that we might help each other grow. I don't care what phrase you use to remember that, but just don't forget it. Because he says, let us, let us, let us. Not let me, let us. And here's what he says. Let us consider. Would you write that word down? Consider. You know what's beautiful about this word consider? Is that it happens before any action flows out of your life. Let me ask you something. Are there people who get your goat in your church? And, and the reason I'm saying in your church is we, we're online and we have other people who watch this, um, uh, these messages I mean, really, kind of like around the world, it's pretty cool. But is there there someone in your church who when you think about you, you get uneasy about? You get annoyed about? You get, right? Is it possible that you might be looking at that person right now, right? Like, no, maybe I'm the one. Okay, I don't know. It could be me. By the way, if if, if you're going, if you're saying to yourself, no, there's no one. (laughs) Might be you. You might be the annoying one. I don't know. Um, no, seriously. Um, yeah, is there someone who can watch this. The Bible says, ponder, consider, think about, meditate on ways you could bless them. Consider. How to, what would it take for you to take one minute out of your time in prayer in the morning to just go, God, who am I going to Who from our body am I going to be? Is it just my family? Okay, God, help me. How am I going to love them? How am I going to serve them? How am I going to sacrifice? How am I going to lay down my life for them? How am I going to encourage them and, and, and help them to be better? Maybe you're going to warrior soldiers and men. It's Thursday, and you're going, Woo! I need me a fill up, man. I can't wait to hear Pastor Gus break open God's word. I can't wait to hear some of those wise leaders that have been raised up and then them to share their experience, strength, and hope. Woo, I need to be filled up. And what if you just decided, I'm not going to go to warriors, soldiers, and men like that. I'm just not going to do it. What if you decided to say, God, would God, would you help me be a person who hugs the unhuggable, who loves the unlovely, who lifts up the lonely, who, oh man, you know what? I'm married. I got a family. After this, you know, Jose over here, he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have kids to go home to. Man, let me, yo, why don't we, you know, ask him to go fishing or, hey man, why don't we get together? Hey bro, listen, why don't we go out for coffee afterwards? I'll call my wife, tell her I'm going to be home a little bit late. Listen, because, Because we love each other. I've been considering you. I've been thinking about you. When you come up to something, I've been thinking of you all day long. How to bless. Would you imagine, what would this church be like if we tried to out-bless, if we just tried to out-bless each other? Consider. Take time. Meditate on it. Satan wants us to build enemies and fortresses in our minds, and God wants us to build communities that support and love each other, consider how we may, and here's what you can consider, how we may spur one another on. Now, now here's, here's the deal. This word spur is super interesting. You know what it means in the Greek? Irritate. True story. It means, in the Greek, it means irritate. How can, and so, and so some of you go like, yeah, I got that down packed. No problem. I'm doing that, no sweat. Right, 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 watch this. To spur someone on is we're not called to be nice. You're called to be in Christ. And so you and I, and this is, okay, so I, I want you to know, this love, whenever anybody walks into this church, and I, 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 this, is the, this is the feedback I get from most people. When people come into this church, they go, I can't believe how loving the people are in this church. People give you hugs. People, you know, shake your hand. They introduce themselves to you. They're so friendly. Like, we we get that. We got that reputation. So keep that reputation up. You guys are awesome. I love when, especially when newcomers come in and they feel loved. They feel like they've come home because that's what this is for some, a homecoming. Well, they feel like that, and we got that down. Let me tell you where we stray. We don't irritate each other enough. We see sometimes our brothers and sisters and they're going in the wrong direction, and we've swallowed what society has said. We can't say anything to correct anybody else, because that would be considered, anybody know the word? Judging, judging, and let me tell you something, the unpardonable sin in Brooklyn is judging. You can't judge anybody, God forbid. Now, I'm a parent, so I'm like a martial arts, black belt, ninth degree judger, okay? I Remember, I saw my, I saw, a true story, I saw my, and my daughter and I were just talking about this in the, in the, in the room uh, uh, earlier today. I, I saw my daughter, and there was a guy who was working, she's, she's working at a place, and we went to visit her at work just to say hello. You know, she's just started Hunter College, first year of college. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's, I, I'm so so proud of her, All right? And so I, 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 saw, <laughs> I saw a guy who was working with, and he's just working there, like, you know, he's just working there, but I saw him and a hate came up in me. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. I don't even know how to describe it. I was like, ooh, take that down. What was that? Ooh. <laughs> I was about to jump through the thing. I was like, come over here. And I was like, I didn't know who he was, never met him, still don't know his name. Could. Guy could love Jesus and like be a missionary in Africa in a year from now. But I tell you, I, immediately I, I said, oh, are you, what you trying to do? And You know, I'm just like, I'm thinking, right? So, so as a parent, I'm good at this, right? But as a church, we have to be better than that. We have to be better than that. And we have to say this. Sometimes, sometimes we have to go, <sighs> okay, Sally, I've seen um, that you've been disrespecting your husband um, in a way that makes him feel really small in public. And I know I struggle with that, too. And I was just wondering, can we help each other, keep each other accountable? Would you give me permission to speak into your life? And I'll give you permission to speak into mine, because I think we're going to kill our husbands if we keep on doing this. OK, that, you don't like that one. All right, all right. so okay. let's use another one. All right. Uh, this is harder than it looks, folks. All right, so let's say, let's say it's a man. And we go up to the man. And we just go, okay, again, because we've been considering. We're not doing this because we're, we're annoyed. We're not doing this because we're upset. We're not doing this because they, we're going to give them a piece of our mind. Not that. No, no, no. In Jesus, we've considered them. And we're going up to him going. John, um, I've seen the way you've been um, spending time with this girl. And I think you're opening yourself up to some lust and some issues. And I know what you struggle with because we, you know, we know each other. We're brothers. But I struggle with those things, too. I can see that in me, too. So when I see it in you, I see it in me. Could you, would you give me? In Christ, would you give me permission to speak to that so that you don't fall into a pit? Isn't that irritating? It's what we're to do. We're to spur each other on. We're to to be, you know what we're to be like? We're to be like a speck of sand in an oyster. You put a speck of sand in an oyster and it irritates the oyster to the degree that a pearl is created. And so Johnny comes back and he says, now, listen, mind your own business. And and you can just go, I love you, Johnny, but you're my brother in Christ. And as long as you're my brother in Christ, you are my business. I love you. You can hate me, but I'm going to love you. My love for you is not determined on your love for me, just like Jesus' love for me wasn't determined on my love for him. But he came from a high and lofty place, came to earth to live the life that I should have lived, died the death that I deserve to die, to win me to himself, and that while I was still yet his enemy, Jesus died for me. So you don't mind if I die for you. Because we're to spur one another on. Isn't that good? Isn't that tough? That's hard work, right? Yeah. But that's what we're called to do. But watch this. We're called to consider, to spur, and then to um, spur one another on uh, toward love and good deeds. So love. This is Listen, love is not an emotion. I can tell you this. From being married for 25 years, sometimes my wife wakes up and she doesn't feel like those, you know, those little butterflies. I can't imagine why, but she doesn't. Sometimes she doesn't feel those butterflies for me. She's like, "Oh man, I, I could, well, I could trade you in for an upgrade." She'll think into herself, right? I could. and I get it. I understand it. I'm a tough guy to live with, but watch this. That's not love. That's emotion. And we're grateful for love's emotion, but love is, love, love is something that does. Love is something that acts, right? right? There's nothing worse than hearing a person who played you out tell you, but I love you. And they go, like, oh, you don't even know what you're talking about. Because love does something, right? Love behaves. Love is a verb. We're to love and good deeds. We're to spur one another on to love and good deeds. I love this. That means We're to also, not only to encourage each other or spur on one another when we're addressing some sin, but also, hey, where are you serving in the church? How is the church? Let me ask you something. You have gifts that are bottled up inside you. How is everybody else benefiting from your gifts? You have musical gifts. You have counseling gifts. You have uh, 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 affectionate gifts. You, you know where to take people to the right detox. You know where to get people to marriage counseling. You have, you're a single person and you've been a single person for a long time and you got other um, information that you could share with other single people so they don't shipwreck their life. You've been married for a long time and there's some young married people that you could pour into. How is the old church benefiting from the gifts that God's giving? you? You go, I don't got any gifts. Then you're a liar. Because God promises. It's in his God's word. God has created you for good works. That's what God's word says. He's created you for good works. So if you say you have no good works to do, then you call God a liar. And that's a crazy thing to call God. What did you say? So you go, you can say, I don't have any gifts, and then add this phrase, that I know of. And then we could go, oh, okay, there's a class for this. We can take you to a a, a class, we call it, we have four different classes here that help you grow in Christ. We call it New in Christ, and it's easy. You know who belongs in that class? Those who are? Oh my gosh, aren't we creative? It's like awesome. New in Christ. And then it's growing in Christ. You know who needs to go to that class? Anybody knows? Everybody who needs to? Oh my gosh, you guys are getting it. This is so awesome. Okay, the next one I'm not even going to bother ask because you guys are quick. All right, so there's new in Christ, there's growing in Christ, then there's uh, serving in Christ. Who needs to go there? Those who aren't yet? Are you serving in Christ? You go, yeah, man, I serve everywhere I go. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. You serve everywhere. I know, you pray just like you pray. You serve just like you pray. I pray every day, I know. Where do you serve? And how is this body of believers benefiting from your service? I don't know. Maybe it's at the food, Maybe it's at the food pantry, packing bags, giving a, a person, one of the three, more than 300 families that we gave bags of food yesterday to. Maybe it's that. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's in the soup kitchen. With, and, and, and just people just need to smile, need to know that they're alive. Those are good works. We're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. Does that make sense? And then there's another class that we have, and it's sharing Christ. And that's who needs to go there. People who need to learn how to share Jesus with their friends and family. Do you see how beautiful this is? Okay, so let's keep on going. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That's when that's why it's not a legitimate answer for you or any of your friends to say, oh, I could have church right in my living room. Uh-uh, not unless, if, unless your definition of church is different from what Jesus is telling us here. Because in your living room, in your pajamas, you can't spur, you can't consider, you can't, you can't do any of that. You can listen to a sermon if that's what church was, but this is not what the Recovery House of Worship is. Recovery House of Worship is a body of believers who meet for the... A body of believers who are bound by their love for Christ, who then Christ gives them love for one another so that they could serve they could serve and encourage and spur and then share the gospel with others so our family could get bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen. You can't do that from your living room. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but rather than stop meeting together, encouraging encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, here's the deal, guys. I'm I'm running out of time. That you get to encourage each other. When you consider to do all those things, spur, love, good deeds, encourage. When you're in Christ and you're doing that, this place, this group of people will be the greatest experience of your life the way we relate to each other you know what you've been relapsing and relapsing and relapsing because you're a lone ranger christian you need other christians to help you you need to ha- you need to get around some people you need somebody to come alongside you who knows you well enough to say bro we need to make a meeting come on come on come on no i don't want to make a meeting i didn't ask if you wanted to we got to go we got to go we need each other you know why Because here's what I want, I need you to know, and it's the same lesson, but we're saying it in three different ways. I need you, and you need me. Say that with me. I need you, and you need me. Because, and here's why, because everyone who needs Jesus needs everyone who needs Jesus. Say that with me. Everyone who needs Jesus needs everyone who needs Jesus. And because, listen to me, because we don't go to church, we are the church. Say it with me. We don't go to church, we are the church. It's a fact. Now, let me tell you why we can do all this. You can't do this in your strength. In your strength, you get impatient, you get tired of people, you don't want to deal with it. In your strength, you do. But here's what the Bible says in verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, think about this, you can have confidence to go with God. You know how like you blew it and you don't have confidence to go with God? No, you can have confidence to go with God. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. You are, your relationship with Jesus has nothing to do based on your good works. It's based on Jesus' good works. To the most holy place, that means you can have great intimacy With God, by the blood of Jesus, that means it's his sacrifice that makes it possible. By a new and living way, open to us through the curtain, that is his body. That means he's saying the same thing. He's saying, guys, Jesus has died. Jesus has suffered the penalty. Jesus has paid for all your guilt and shame. He's paid for all your junk and nasty. Jesus has paid for all your dirty and grimy. Jesus has paid for it all. And because he's paid for it, you don't have to act like you owe. You can walk in credit-free. You can walk in debt-free. You can walk in having him and there's intimacy and love and goodness and goodwill. And since we have a great priest, and again, all these are word pictures. Paul is speaking. It's actually, we don't know if, it, if this is Paul. But what we're saying is the writer of Hebrews um, is speaking to the Hebrew Christians and he's pulling back from what they know. And he's using things like temple and curtain. And he's saying, Jesus, it's, it's like a curtain in the temple. He says this, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Think about this. In the temple, in the Old Testament, there was this huge curtain. Not like curtains like that are on your window, but like super thick curtains. They're like a, a foot thick. And Jesus, the, the only way you were allowed behind the curtain is if you were a high priest, one time a year to pay for the guilt of the people. But watch this. The Bible is telling us, listen, it's not enough. One time a year is not enough, right? Easter is not enough, right? We need to, and what I mean by Easter being not enough is that just coming to a service on Easter is not enough. We need everyday God. We need God every moment, every minute, every second. And so Jesus has become that curtain by which we now have intimacy with God, share and confess our guilt and shame, find his forgiveness and love, get his direction, love and bless one another. We are in Christ so that we could love each other in Christ. Because he's made that possible for us. And then verse 22, it says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience. Somebody say that. Cleanse us from guilty conscience. Cleanse us from, us from guilty, guilty. All that shame that you walk around, you don't have to. Whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your parents. You can go... You can watch this, and it's not like you use that as a defense mechanism. Well, you know, you cheated on your wife two weeks ago, and you go, well, I don't got to walk around. Guilty. No, 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 you're using the gospel in a way that's heinous. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about coming back to Christ and going, God, you're kidding me. You mean you pay, the shame that I feel, you bore that on the cross because you love me? And some of you, you can't believe that, because some of the stuff that we've done is too dirty, too grimy, too terrible. And Jesus goes, Your sin is no match for my love. Your sin is no match for my grace. Your sin is no match for my forgiveness. Not even close. Not even close. We need each other. So we have this gift in Christ, but we need each other. And if you're going in your way and I'm going in my way, we are never going to know the joys in Christ that we could have if we didn't. So... I'm going to illustrate this in about one minute and 30 seconds, and then we're going to close. Okay, you're with me? Is that okay? All right. So, all right. I got to do what, like, uh, did, when Did you get a father that used to take out the belt? Every time someone does that, it makes me nervous. I was like, every time, Rob, would you come up, please? So, it's like this, right? Oh, I'm going to spank Rob. Yeah, no, I'm kidding. What? Come on. Gosh. You guys are crazy. You guys are out of your minds. All right. So, imagine if, right, so what we're going to do, Let's see if we can do this. Let's try to do this together, Rob. Okay. So, right? No, we're not going to shoot up together. Don't be silly. <laughs> I know that's what some of you were thinking. Okay. So now watch this. Now, what if? Now remember, this this red um, belt that you see here. This is Christ's sacrifice for His people. He loved them and He bonded them together with His blood. With His blood. They're bonded together. Now, if Rob says he doesn't need me and doesn't want to be me. Too bad. We're bonded together. We're bonded together. But now what happens if Rob starts to try to go that way and I try to go this way? It, it's terrible. If I, we, we just won't be able to go anywhere. It's horrible. And now I'm getting angry at him and he's getting angry at me. It's terrible. This is what most churches are like. They don't understand. You're bonded together in Christ. You're called to... Listen, if you are bonded together in Christ, you better learn to love one another well. There's no divorce papers in this. And if you don't like me now, for these 50 years that we're here on earth, you're really not going to like me in eternity. Heaven's going to be hell for you because I'm going to be with you forever. But Christ in his blood has bonded us together. But what, what happens when I go, brother, are you tired? Are you tired? Come on, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. We'll go together. We'll do it together. You don't have to do it alone. And then Rob says, Edwin, you haven't gotten clean. It's been years. You haven't gotten clean. I'm clean for years. Let me help you. And then he goes, oh, man, Rob, can you really help me get clean? Is that really possible? He's like, yeah, yeah, but I didn't even like you before. I mean, yeah, but I'm going to help you anyway because we're bonded in Christ. You see? You see? You see? I need you, and you need me. And everyone who needs Jesus needs everyone who needs Jesus. And we don't go to church, we are the church.